0: Welcome to Conversations About
1: Life. Well, thanks, Roger, for getting together with me, and uh, just looking forward to talking with you. I thought maybe I would start with just growing up and that type of thing. Did you grow up in the St. Louis area here?
2: Yes, I did. Mm-hmm.
1: What part of the city did you grow up?
2: Uh, in South St. Louis. I was born by a suit down in the Sulard Market area. Okay. And when I was five years old, mom and dad bought a house on 9th Street between Cherokee and Utah. And that's where I grew up at. Okay. Went to Shepherd Grade School and Roosevelt High School.
1: All right. You have siblings? Pardon? Did you have s- siblings?
2: No. Um, I didn't get married I was 45.
1: No, I mean, did you have brothers and sisters?
2: Oh yes, there was fourteen of
1: us. Fourteen of you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So where are you in the lines? Were the bottom or the top, or the bottom? Okay. I'll be
2: seventy-seven in a couple months. I'm seventy-six now.
1: Okay. Hmm. So what was your family life like?
2: We all we all got together. Uh, I had two younger brothers me. One died when he was six months old and one was two years old. Mm -hmm. And I was raised as a baby of the family. And my uh, other older sisters and brothers, I only got one sister left, the youngest one. She's 87 years old now. Mm -hmm. But uh, they were all born and raised out in the country. And Mom said Dad had to move up to the city six years before I was born in order to get a job back then. That would be 82 years ago.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, coming from a large family such as that, um, well, my very oldest brother died at, in World War II, and, and I never got to meet him. Hmm. But mm-hmm. uh, all all of us uh, growing up, we all got together as a family. And we all loved each other. There was no arguing or no... Hatred or dissension, you know, in, in our families forever.
0: Hmm.
2: What kind of work did your dad do? he uh, he was he, When he moved up here, he got a job as a welder. Okay. He worked for a corporation. And he died when I was <clears throat> about 14 years old. He had a stroke when I was 12 years old and couldn't walk or talk anymore. Hmm. And when he died, um, some of my sister and brothers, of course— Good many of them were married and they helped raise me.
0: Hmm.
1: So, um, you had a pretty close family then as far as um, just relationships and so forth.
2: Very close when I look back at it now. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, was it were you guys a Christian family?
2: No, not at the time. Um, my um, uh, one sister who's dead now, um. She got married when she was 16 years old, and I was gosh, I was only about five or six years old whenever she got married. Mm-hmm. but uh, when my dad, after my dad died, they helped raise me, and, and they become Christians
0: hmm.
2: about oh, about four or five years after uh, my dad died.:
1: Okay, so your and, sister and her husband huh?
2: and then my one old, other older sister than her, now she was a Christian mm-hmm. late in life. But uh, by them helping raise me, that's how I come to know the Lord.
1: Okay. So they took you to church and things like that, I guess, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of church did you all go to?
2: uh, It was a a Baptist church there in the city, at 12th and Barton. It was a Baptist church at the time. Okay. It's an apartment building now, but, you know, we were getting back, you know, (laughs) Hmm. quite a few years ago.
1: Well, how did that um, come about, um, you know, coming to know the Lord in a, you know, in a meaningful way, rather, than, you know, so I guess you started with church going, and then at what point did you, um, did, uh, you know, Christianity become like a personal, meaningful thing to you?
2: Well, uh, <clears throat> I didn't become a, a, a born-again Christian till I was uh, about in my late 30s. I was about 37, okay. 38 years old. Okay. And um, how that happened, like my um, one sister in Bruno who helped praise me, uh, I didn't live with them, but they helped praise me. They, they lived downstairs for a while and then moved away. But uh, any time we had family outings, uh, and we, uh, before we would eat, they would always ask for prayer. And... Sometimes they'd always talk about the Lord. Hmm. And uh, as I kept going, uh, it just seemed like that had such a, a big effect on me because after I got a job as a teamster working on the freight dock, I worked at Old Viking for five years, and they went out of business. And then I went on the police force for two years um, and drove the project car Old pruitt Island. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm-mm. That was a whole apartment. One of the biggest apartment complexes in the city.
1: Okay. Hmm.
2: You know, and uh, anyway, uh, my older, my one oldest brother got me a job back on the uh, Teamsters. CF opened a new, ter- was building a new terminal on Hall Street. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, it, it just seemed like um, as I uh, progressed along, growing up with my sister's and brothers, praying at, at the... Dinner tables and talking about Lord, and they didn't use any vulgar language or nothing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I did when I was growing up, but after um, I started working on a freight dock, th- there was two other fellows on a freight dock that were Christian men.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One was about a year younger than I am, and the other fellow was about twenty years older than I am, and he he was a a Baptist. He lived in Illinois, and I know these these right, these dockhands used to make fun of them because they didn't cuss, gamble, or anything. And it um, seemed like as I progressed along in life, I went to church a number of times with my uh, sister and brother on them. And then I, I got baptized when I was 13 years old after Dad had a stroke. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand what they meant because... My other uh, brother is two years older than I am. Him and my mom went forward, and I went forward the, the same mm-hmm. uh, night. And they asked me if I wanted to be baptized. I said yes, but well, I didn't fully understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. But as I progressed along in life, and it just seemed like being around some of my other sisters and brothers that become Christians, this really started dwelling in me. And um, one Sunday morning when I was in my late 30s, I got on my knees, and I lived out in uh, Limay and after Mom and I moved from the city, we were forced to move. Highway 55 took her house. Hmm. But anyway, seeing what what was going on down at CF and everything, and I had such a foul mouth and everything, I uh, got on my knees, and I just prayed a, a real simple prayer I said, dear Heavenly Father, I know I've been baptized years ago, but I didn't know what that meant. And I'm wanting now to really to be saved if I'm not saved. And would you please, Jesus, come into my life and my heart? I'm just asking this because I want to live a different life than all this cussing and everything. I'm, you know, and after I prayed that prayer that Sunday, the very next uh, week on a Monday, boy, that's when God really, really showed me something. I stopped cussing. And I was a shop tour diner on the dock. And after I stopped cussing for over about a, a month, some of them guys started talking and making fun. At roll call, they said, "Look, he, he, did he say it? Did he say it? Did he say a cuss word? You know." And I looked at him. I thought, oh, "They're looking at me," and because I used to just say one cuss word after the other as an old teamster, and a lot guys did too. Mm-hmm. And from that time on, I I wouldn't cuss anymore. Hmm. And it, it's amazing how many of them guys kind of uh, kind of put a a, a a wall up between me and them. Mm-hmm you know, because I wouldn't go out drinking with them and stuff and everything. And um, I got to talking to some people as I progressed along about the Lord, you know, and, and, and a lot of them fellows didn't want to hear that stuff mm-hmm. because they used to make fun of uh, the other two fellows that were
0: mm-hmm.
2: Christian guys, you know. And I looked around at that, and, you know, I thought, hmm I believe with all my heart there is a God, and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, and he did. And then uh, uh, after I started going back to, to church when I was in about 40 years old, uh, I first went to Murphy Baptist Church for a couple of years. Mom and I moved out there. Mm-hmm. And then I started going to Arnold Baptist Church. And um, it wasn't more than just... Um, a short period of time, a month or two a couple of months after that, when Pastor Davidson would always ask, you know, um, for anybody who wanted to be saved, you know, to come forth on a Sunday. I went forth and I and I explained to him. I said, Brother Gerald, I was baptized but I wasn't sure at the time at all that I really believed in God and there was a Jesus. But now I do. And he said, Roger, don't worry about it. He said, if you want to be baptized, come back tonight. Mm-hmm. And I went back, and uh, he baptized me again, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says, baptism doesn't save you, and that's been, you know. But he said, as you become a Christian, if you really believe, he said, that's, a, that's an important first step forward, you know. Mm-hmm. But after I that to him, he said, no, he said, there's nothing wrong with that. He said, if you want to be baptized, come back. And after I got baptized again, and I started reading my Bible. You know, I could go into thousands of details of things I've read and done, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing how God worked with me and my sister and brothers helped, say, you know, got me saved. Mm-hmm. And now I just feel deep comfort, you know, I just feel so at peace.
1: So when that happened, one of the differences is that you went from cussing to... You didn't cuss anymore. Anything else that you remember that that was a change that you were experiencing after that point?
2: Oh, yes. There's a, there's a number of things that started taking effect as I kept growing, you know, and kept reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh, I, I could just, just, you know, tell you about a number of things. But one thing was, was like, uh, about money. hmm I'm growing up in a poor family i uh and back then everything was so much common but uh um, me being poor, I just had that desire I wanted something bigger and better in life all the time. you know that was important to me mm-hmm. and it was pride really is what it was you know mm-hmm. and as I kept progressing along, I bought a a fifteen acre track ground or five acre track for $1,500 years ago, over 50 years ago, when I first bought some more ground, you get it real cheap back then. Mm-hmm. After I had that paid for, I bought a 80-acre track of ground down in uh, Texas, Missouri, down Houston, Missouri. And I bought that. And then um, after I had that paid for, I bought a farm up in Bell, Missouri. And then I was um, uh, in my 30s, around 30 years old, and after I had that for about six or seven years, I just and I just, I always worked during the week and I went out there on the weekends. And then when I uh, had that, I, I built like a two-acre lake on their place. My neighbor lady and I built that, and she'd lived out there for years. And she was the same age my mom was. Mm-hmm. Mom was like forty-two years old or forty years old when she had me, and eighty-two years old when she died. But anyway. As I progressed out there, I was work, 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 work all the time. You know, I wanted to get more money. Mm -hmm. I wanted a bigger car. And as I kept reading my Bible, uh, one day when I went out there on a Saturday, um, this guy down at the feed store, he said, Roger, he said, you and I are the same age. And he said, I would just like to share with you real quick. He said, I see you coming in here once or twice a month a lot of times, you know, buying different things for your farm and the the three cows and the horses you had out there. But he said, do you know you'll never own that farm? And I looked at him, stunned, you know, and I said, well, good grief. I said, within a year now, I'm going to have this thing paid for, you know. And I thought all the property I'd paid for, my cars and stuff. And he said, you'll never own it. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean never owned it? I own this other ground, that. And he said, Roger, he said, you and I are the same age. And he said, <clears throat> you know, let me tell you something. He said, I was born and raised out here. And I'm an only child. And he said, my dad had about 200 acres, you know. Now that would have been over 80 years ago or 90 years ago when his dad bought that. So, you know, but to make a long story short, he said, my mom died and— just a couple of weeks before he died he was still getting around a little bit but he asked me to walk up on top of this little hill and he said "Sonny, said look around out here see all this property he said you're going to inherit that you're going to get it cuz i'm i'm getting ready to die I, I know i am but he said I want to tell you something you'll never own that and he said what do you mean dad I'll never own it he said that ground was here thousands of years before I was ever born and for people had it before me. And he says, his dad was a Christian. He said, he says, you'll never own it, son. What? He says, the Bible tells us all this stuff, no matter what we accumulate, we cannot take it with us when we die. And he says, the most important thing is when you find peace and, and happiness and love, you'll find more contentment than if you were a millionaire or a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And after I, he told me that, I went home and my, I read my Bible every day. And doggone, I, I looked in the Bible and here were these very scriptures that his dad was talking about. And I prayed about it and God really put it in my heart. You know, he said, Roger, you'll never own all that. He says, there's nothing wrong with using it and sharing it with your family and friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the point is, finding peace and happiness. And there's uh, so many scriptures in the Bible that tells us exactly that. You know, in book of Proverbs and Psalms, and I read that and I got it marked off where I read that so many times. And my mom told me, about a year before she died out there, she took her out with me on the farm. She said, there and she said, Roger, you'll never be happy out here if you move out here, you know, when you retire. And I had about, oh, 15 years ago before I could retire. And after I thought about this and prayed about it and read the, the Bible and the Holy Spirit put me in a position where he said, Roger, see, what's more important is your family and friends and that. And, and that's why now when, when you ask me the question about my family, and I think back at it. I had the fondest rem- memories now of this, how we all grew up loving one another, and after I had that farm I bought out there, it was, it was supposed to be like seventy-six acres is what I bought, mm-hmm. and I had three cows and horses out there. And after the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about this, you know, that's nice to have and everything, but. You can't take this with you. And when I thought about how many years I had to go before I could retire, I really got—I really prayed about that. And I thought, before I bought all that, and my older brother-in-law, dad, down there, we used to go fishing all the time because Dad, when he was living, him being an old farm guy and Mom, they used to take my brother and I fishing, camping out all the time, and we'd just sleep outside, you know. Mm-hmm. And after I, I thought about that, how peaceful and calm that was. And I thought, oh my gosh, having this farm and putting a lake out there. I didn't even fish in the lake one time because I was always going out on weekends cutting grass and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the Holy Spirit spoke to me just as clear as could be and said, "Raj, it's nice to have things in life as long as you, you use them wisely to share them while you're here on earth. And after reading them scriptures, you know, where you can't take nothing with you, my God, really opened my heart and mind up, hmm. and I, and it, it, I guess it was probably within less than a year after I thought about that, I put that up for sale and sold it. I
1: did, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you said you were married um, later in life. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I was married when I got married when I was forty-five years old. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And has your wife get passed on then?
2: No, um, she's still living, but we got a divorce. About a year and a half after we were married, um, she was married and she had the two girls. Mm-hmm. And then when we got married, she, she's two year about a year and a half younger than I am. Mm-hmm. But she was a Christian woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, after we got a divorce, we prayed about this and everything, and and I didn't want to divorce. Well, we we got back together again and got remarried, mm-hmm. and then we were married for seventeen years. And you know, when we got another divorce, it was over some problems with her father and everything Mm -hmm. him not being a Christian we had to leave him sleep in our house Mm -hmm. for over three years but anyway her and I when we prayed about just now her and I are the best of friends I mean we are just she's a fine Christian woman Hmm. and she'll call me all the time checking on me and I uh, go to the house there and we sit and talk and have coffee and we just we had the best relationship now ever. Hmm. Because instead of holding grudges, God told us, that's wrong, Roger. You didn't want a divorce. You had everything paid for. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like she married me because I had, you know, things paid for and she was in debt, you know. Mm -hmm. We bought cars for our daughters and Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And you know, after I really prayed about this and that, God says we're not to hold grudges, but love is the most important thing of all. And God tells us, he said, of all these gifts in the Bible, love is one gift that will never end because when we get into heaven, we're going to be living this perfect life that God wants us to. I'm sure he he meant for us to do that here on earth and he gave us a free will and how we've blundered that, you know. Mm -hmm. But really, by accepting Jesus Christ and asking Jesus Christ in my heart, that has changed my life around tremendously because when a couple of my family members even say, well, boy, Raj, you you, you shouldn't be going to your ex wifes It was my house, and I gave it to him, you know. But, you know, well, I've had, and I, I say this not bragging, but I, I'm going to say bragging on God, knowing him and what he's done for me. I've had everything paid for for years and years and years now. And I, I get my full Teamster pension, my full social security, and everything. And by God telling me that all this money, like more and more and more, I I could buy me another house, a new car and stuff, but I've learned to be happy and content with what God's given me. And I know people have made laughed at me many times, you know. Why, why do you want to keep that old car for? And it's not like you and I are talking, you have a little car. Mm -hmm. It runs good and everything. And years ago, what impressed me was, you know, if you had a big car of some kind, that was impressive to the girls and to your family. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean anything to me after becoming a Christian and God showing me Mm -hmm. that all this stuff is meaningless. It's nice to have. It's nice to use. And, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you can't take anything with you, by me uh, having my grandkids by those two stepdaughters you know while we were married mm-hmm. I mean it's from the bottom of my heart we all love each other I go to the house for special dinners and everything they invite me to birthday parties and stuff mm-hmm. and you know we all hug one another and, and laugh and get along now and that means more to me than all the money in the world mm-hmm. right, and peace and happiness
0: yeah
1: So, um, what's made a. What are things that have impacted your life? Like, have there. I don't know if you're like into books or have there been any books or any people or anything like that that's had like just a powerful influence on your life and shaped you, making you you who you are?
2: Oh, yes. And like like I, you know, was talking earlier about. My two older sisters, you know my sister and brother in law mm-hmm. that had a tr- the biggest impact on my life. you know it really did, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, they were always so kind and loving and you know and never cussing and time we all got together as a family, and we all met with all these major holidays and probably. A thousand times during the year, different times, with barbecues and that, but the whole, all the families were invited, whosoever house. Mm-hmm. And before we could eat, my, my sister and law my brother-in-law would always say a prayer, you know, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> this had such a deep impact on me growing well, up.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what about your life now? Um, do you have any r- routines in life? That are meaningful things that you regularly do that you know mean a lot to you. Yeah, just up until the last
2: <clears throat> three weeks, you know what's happening here with this virus business. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I've been retired. Uh, It'd be twenty-six years this June. I'm hmm. so I get my retirement, full pensioning. But I worked over at our church at life um, in the life center for 12 years volunteering. And you know, serving them and everything, and meeting all these different people from different churches, mm-hmm. and learning that no matter what church you come from or what building you say you're you're from, mm-hmm. no matter who we think we are, if we have asked Jesus Christ in our life, whether we're Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, whatever, Methodist, Jehovah's Witness, whatever, if God looks at our heart and He truly sees. That we believe in Him and we've asked Jesus Christ, the Son, to come in our life, we'll all be in heaven, no matter what shape we are, or color or whatever, you know. Or and, and you know and, um, these other things in the last twelve years <clears throat> by starting to work down here at church. This one lady, um, Diane Polite she's a. Lim- she asked me. Just in a normal conversation. You know, what church, you know, do I go to church there and different questions? I said, yes. And she said, Oh, uh, you used to be a policeman in Old Purdago and that has you know, been on TV several times. That's where a lot of people come from, from Ferguson. I think they had oh, about 20, 20, 20 30,000 people in their projects. There's about 10 or 15 of them, real, real super big. Mm-hmm. But anyway, after Diane found out, she said, Roger, she said, we just started a ministry. There was a group of us ladies. We are going down in Cherokee Street.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we know you were born and raised down there, and you went to Shepherd Grace School. said, would you mind going down there with us once a month? We're setting tables up, you know, like this here, long time. And she said, we're giving stuff away for an hour and a half, you know, free and everything. But we had this t- one table of Bibles and everything. And the purpose is we're all Christians and we're witnessing to people. And um, I told her, I said, well, sure, I should. I'd be glad to go down, you know, once a month. And by doing that, um, I got connected with so many other things where I worked over at church at um, family luncheons and everything, you know. We serve and have like five, six hundred people show up every three months for those. And so many other people I've met. They were in life, to, you know, hi, hi, Rodney, just talk and everything. And, you know, uh, Sandy Whalen got us going down to uh, this Bridge of Hope Church on North Prairie Street on Thursdays. They feed like 20 to 30 people down there just lunch, mm-hmm. the homeless. And then these other ladies I met through the Cherokee ministry for the last about three years. Now, they've been doing it for 10 years. We go down St. Peter and Paul's Church mm-hmm. down by Sulor and Market. And uh, they cook all the food up and everything. There do about eight of them. And we meet at 55 in Lindbergh. And there's about three of us go down there. And there's another lady shows up after work. And they let 60 homeless men sleep in the basement of their church down there. Mm-hmm. And we feed them supper. Every, you know, the first Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, you know, you had to say a prayer and talk to him about the Lord and everything. Mm-hmm. And all these other things I've done by getting connected to different churches. I go to the, down in Potomac in Oregon. It's the second Saturday of every month. And we kind of got that started through the the black pastor after he got to know us when we were on Cherokee Street. Mm-hmm. He let us have a Bible study in his um, church on Thursday nights. But these homeless people. You know, we got to meet and everything and got to witness to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, after we started doing that, um, we asked Pastor Phil if he'd start like a, a, a prayer breakfast, you know, and he called it a pastor's prayer breakfast down in his basement. And we first started out, you know, he had like maybe 10, 15. Now, he has, he said on the list, he has, uh, I think, 100 some people signed up for that. But he says, there's like, oh, anywhere from, from 50 to 60 people, 70 people show up the second Saturday of every month. Now, here we're all from different churches, different colors, everything. But we all love one another. And, you know, like God says in the Bible, when we become a Christian, and he explains it just as clear as can be, just as clear as can be, he says in the book of Acts 17, he says, I do not live in temples made by man's hands. Mm-hmm. And he also says, he said, by one man, Adam, you know, he said, I created all people. And he said, and some Bible say by one blood, it all means the same thing. All of us on the face of this earth have come back from Adam and Eve days, you know, how they multiplied out. And then, like I shared this with uh, people da- uh, downtown. And I, I made so many friends, but the black ladies, the preacher's wives and stuff, they'll walk up and give me a hug and kiss and go down there and Hi, Rod, you know, and God mm-hmm. bless you. Because, you know, when you ask a simple question after you read this and you ask God for that little mustard seed of faith and wisdom, mm-hmm. His kind, we think completely different than the way man thinks. You know, I'm black, you're white, you're red. And then people say, I'm, my mom was Indian. You know, she was born in 1905. My dad was born in 1898. He was German. Hmm. That's where I was, grew up. Mm-hmm. But now, after becoming a Christian, I laugh about this. I think, you know, there's no German blood or Irish blood. You know, because God makes it so plain and simple for us to understand who we are and if we if we would get in God's world and start loving one another and respecting each other about what church we go to, and I don't ever ever challenge anybody if they tell me they're Catholic or Lutheran or Methodist or whatever because I've got to know so many people like that downtown, and we went to their churches and where they help and feed the poor and everything mm-hmm. and because God tells us he says, like I was telling you earlier, if we really truly Believe in God, and we really truly have asked Jesus Christ to come into our lives. God's going to look at our hearts, and, and you know, no matter whether you like it or I like it or anybody, when we get into heaven, humanly speaking, there's going to be Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, because anybody who's really believing God has asked Jesus Christ to come in their life they're going to be in heaven, and that's going to be God's judgment. And we need to stop this, talking about religions and politics, because God makes it so plain and simple. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's not going to be any more of that stuff. And, and and by becoming a Christian and getting connected with these people down in the city and going down there and witnessing to people and everything, God has given me such a deep place and understanding, you know, and after reading the Bible, but you can't take nothing with you, when you find true peace and happiness, that means more to me than anything, because I look back from the family I come from, and we're all poor, and we all got along. You know, we went to some dinners, beers girlfriends. go, we might have a hot dog or a hamburger back then, you know, mm-hmm. and we all loved each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and And, you know, by... Except in Jesus Christ, uh, I laugh at so many people sometimes because the church people say, oh my gosh, you would, on you feet these old homeless people that are ragged and poor and, you know, ooh, you know, shootings down there and everything, and, you know, I've learned one thing, if Jesus was walking the earth today, and somebody asked him if there were starving to death and hungry you know and Jesus was walking down the earth today in America or in these other countries and they said Lord I'm so hungry I'm starving would you feed me I said I, I don't believe God Jesus would ask them for a credit card and to ask to be healed I said you know I don't believe Jesus would ask him for a, an insurance card or anything because when I read the Bible, he just he just healed them freely, mm-hmm. back then. And I said if we would really learn not to argue over whose church is the best church to go to, because they're only buildings. And then if we would have more respect, you know, like for politicians and everything, if we want to vote as human beings on somebody, whoever gets elected. God said, do not put your faith and trust in man to begin with. We're all humans, and these politicians are human.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I believe most of them, probably when they run for office, would really sincerely like to try to correct these problems that we have in the world. But if we would get together as Christians and ask God sincerely, as a group of Christians, what should we do, Lord? to bring peace and happiness and contentment on this earth, you know. And God says, Roger, like I've taught you all this stuff, you can't take it with you. Love, love is the greatest gift of all. Because, you know, like when Jesus walked the earth, he said, I've given to you the 11th commandment. Now, some people look at me like, hey, there's only 10 commandments, you know. And I says it tells you, Jesus, I've given to you this day a new commandment, that you should love your neighbor as yourself, and we should love one another. Mm-hmm. And he said, love is the greatest gift of all. And if we would start loving one another, and say, as a nation we're in now, if we could get together as Christian people and pray in our homes or whatever, you know, you know say, Lord, this person who's president or governor or mayor we just want to pray for them that they will seek you for advice and you know and and if they're not a Christian if they would you know accept you and then not that the truth how we've strayed from God so far I know I've been there and done that all my life years and years and years even after I become a Christian and even this day and age you know as well as I do, we're not perfect, mm-hmm. you know. Some people say, and there's no no perfect one on this earth. And I've told them, I said, I am perfect. And they look at me like, what? And I do it for for just fun, you know. I said, my sister and brothers told me I was a perfect mess when I was <laughs> born. And, I, and they tell me I'm still a perfect mess. <laughs> you know, I just do it for fun. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I said even even though we become Christians and and well you know this, we're not perfect in these old fleshy words about it no matter, you know, who we are, the preachers and stuff and deacons and everything else and but if we would use that word love and, and really ask God for that little mustard seed of true love and wisdom and how to use it spiritually, not just humanly, you know, buying cars or this and that because that just doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Not like my all my grandkids love me and stuff, and we all hug each other. And my two stepdaughters, you know, I had them. They all love me now and stuff. And we just, you know,
1: we all just, we, we truly love one another. Roger, um, what role does uh, prayer play in your life? Like, um, how, do you have times of prayer? Is it a big part of your life, or... Just a small part, or like, what's that like for you? Well, it's, it's a small
2: part, We say, I like to pray every day. You know, and when I'm sitting out, sitting home, and sitting outside when it's you know, weather like this and that, sometimes I just like to close my eyes, and, and you don't have to close your eyes to pray. But, you know, I just like to, to pray and tell God and thank Him for what he's done for me. And Lord, anything that you can put into me new, would you please use me and give me that love through your Holy Spirit to let me do something different? You know, and and, and by not holding grudges and things of like that, when I meditate like all these trees and the sun and everything and read the book of Job and Psalms, God says, I, the Lord, created all this everything on the face of the earth everything comes from me and you know when, when I look at that a lot of times I'm standing outside in the spring and summer now I just look up and I just like to say hey, Lord thank you for the sun thank you for the moon the stars and all these leaves and grass you're the one that created all this and you know it as a human being, it would just blow our mind to think all this stuff like that, that God knows. He says, every hair on your head is numbered, you know. And you think, oh my Lord, <laughs> have a God like that? And you know, when, when you really pray and you meditate upon this, when God says He created everything, all the what we call stars, you know, planets up there, the moon, the sun, and when you look around in the current night and you see so many stars and then you think, my Lord, here are all these planets, you know, stars, and some of them as big as the earth and maybe two times as big or 10 or 12 times as big. And here these are all floating out there and none of them are falling down on one another, you know. They're all out there. And I said, you know, if a person would uh, blow up a balloon and just for fun, you know, you say, well, I'm going I'm to put a bunch of a little glass of water on top of this thing. I'm going to blow stuff. And you turn it loose and it falls down. I said, but here in this earth and the moon starting off, I said, they all stay in perfect order without falling on one another. I said, to think of a God that way, and like the earth, scientists say, like there's two thirds of the earth covered with water. I said, to think you have a a big ball out in the middle of nowhere, and all this water, it's going round and round all over. I said, and none of it falls off. I said, when you meditate upon this, and God tells us if we just had a little mustard seed of wisdom and faith, how we can move mountains in our lives. God has blessed me so much by moving problems out of my life. He might have done it not just immediately, you know, take a period of time sometimes, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when you're ready to tell God, you know, Lord God, I'm ready to repent, completely repent of this, and move away from this sinful thing that I'm thinking about or doing. Mm-hmm. You know, God is always willing to listen. And if you're sincere, God's willing to, to work in your life.
1: Have you? I don't know if, how much thought you've given to this as far as um what gives you confidence in the christian faith because there are different you know there's different religions and there's people who are even just atheist you know or and stuff like that and um you mentioned that when um that change took place and you stopped cussing that that's it was like you know that seemed like that gave you confidence like something real happened and so mm-hmm. forth um is there, so is, that the, is there anything else that you th- think of or anything in particular that you would mention when it comes to um, confidence that uh, you're on the right track as far as following Jesus rather than going some other way that, you know, that's out there?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I told you earlier, you know, all these other things that, that's happened in my life and God has changed them, it just seemed like no matter how long we live, If we're sincere and we keep praying daily to God you don't have to pray every day but I I try to pray every day
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know especially when I lay down get ready to go to sleep I ask God to forgive me of my daily sins because there's no time maybe what I've done daily you know maybe thinking in my mind or something but you know I don't know how else to explain this God has just shown me that all this stuff on this earth and everything someday could vanish, could be blown away. And when you take these big hurricanes and floods and fires we've had the last couple of years, mm-hmm. to me that's an indication, you know. The God says, look, people might have had homes there and out in California and out in fire, and they thought they were rich and and all of a sudden they disappear and they're gone. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I just love to to pray now. And be thankful for what I've got. And I say this over time, I say it many times in my testimonies to people. I just feel so, so happy. Now, they're just like coming out here now, watching these people walk around. I went over to Arnold Park this morning, you know, a lot of people were walking around the lake and everything. I go over every morning, try to. Hmm. And I said, you know, when I look at all this now, and I said, I think about how all of us are blood related back to God. And like I was telling you earlier, you know, just just real quick, when I witness the people and and a lot of Christian people, you know, because when you're living in in the human world, you know, like I was telling you earlier, people say, I'm Irish, German, French. Mm -hmm. And I says, but when you ask people this question, and I've had Christian people look at me, you know, just kind of smile like, ooh, that's a, ooh, I don't want to hear that kind of question. I says, what book of the Bible does it tell you when Noah came out of the ark, when his three sons they come out with their four wives, what nationality they were? And people look at me like, oh, I don't, you know, because when you live in a human world, you look at your computer and trace back. I said, see, God tells us we all are part of Him. All of us are. And I said, everybody that's on the face of the earth and been born and died now, if you were to take a suction cup and suck all them people back, bring them life, we all come back from Noah and his three sons and their four wives. And I said, see, God tells us we all come from one blood. If you put Noah and his three sons and four wives in that ark and you took them back, God tells you in the Bible, we all come from Adam and Eve, and we're all blood-related because you didn't ask to be born and I didn't. And because maybe we were born in America and we got a nice home or car or something, you know. So many of these other people that are homeless and living in in foreign countries and in poverty, they didn't ask to be born. You know, wherever people come out from Noah's day and settle, you know, here they born. I said, if we would learn to have more respect for one another and true love and show that, in our world today, that enlightened me so much because when I go down town all the time, I go down two or three times a week sometimes, you know them. Well, I checked it with these black pastors and, and these ladies and stuff down there, and these white pastors, and they said, you know, that's right. We're all blood-related. We need to stop just criticizing one another and arguing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I used to do that even after I'd become a Christian, you know, say this religion's a cult or this and that and everything else and I said I try not ever ever to say that anymore because that's one thing I respect our pastor Kenny for and he helped me out tremendously that's been about eight, nine years ago on a Sunday morning he was talking a sermon about judgment and and he says folks I said that before you know he said whether you like it or I like it when you get in heaven that's where I got that from he says there's going to be Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, He's all, you know, naming all these churches. Like I told you earlier, and that's where I got that from Pastor Kenny. He said, because God looks at a person's heart and God judges them. He says, we need to stop this, you know, judging one another. Isn't that the truth?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I've thought that... Um I guess that's something that's been on my mind lately as far as uh, people of different Christian traditions, um, you know, being able to accept them as brothers and sisters, um, Mm -hmm. even though some of their traditions might seem pretty strange. Um, but there, there are those basic type of things that unite us as Christians, um, so yeah, yeah. So I can, you know, I kind of seeing along the lines of, mm-hmm. of of what you're you're talking about. You mentioned um, love, and you know that's an important thing because that's what Jesus put the emphasis on. You know, he's t- taking care of everything, so what's left for us to do? Well, he said, you know, love one another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, for me, it seems like busyness can kind of get in the way or make it uh feel like other people are kind of an interruption sometimes um and like uh legitimate busyness the type of things we should be busy in like working and you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but so it's kind of confusing um You know, there is the desire to to grow in love. I think that's something Mm -hmm. Christians share. They You know, if they're truly following the Lord and they know Him and they're serious about this, they want to be more loving. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, um, you know, asking God for that seed, mustard seed of love. Mm -hmm. Is that, as far as like growing in love, is that... uh, the main is that the thing to do to ask is do you have any other um, thoughts about growing in love where that's a bigger part of your life and I don't know Paul says do everything you do in love so it, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like it's pretty important to be doing it all the time you know you have any thoughts about that well, well you know
2: uh, you know uh, like I say None of us are, are perfect here you in know, after weeks of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of times maybe you're driving and somebody cuts you off or does something, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe just temporarily, you, think, oh, you know, and, and say something negative or something, you know. And I've learned to be very, very quick about this, to ask God to forgive me of thinking, you know, hmm. because when we hold grudges in us, Mm-hmm. And so many psychiatrists were talking on, on TV about this, about people who commit suicide and everything. They talking about the Bible, but they said, when you hold grudges inside of you, it can really cause you problems, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And when somebody says something or does something to you, years ago, I mean, before I became a Christian and being a shopster down there, I got a number of fights, you know, somebody walk up and say something to me or, you know, just bad mouth, or, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. But anymore, God says, well, walk away from people like that. And, you know, like our pastor told us, and you know this, there's many people out there that are maybe evil-minded. and You know, even as Christian people sometimes, you know, get a little confused. But, but you know, we're, we're to try to witness to them and forgive them. And if somebody is going to bring you down, you know, God says, steer clear of them. Don't hate them. Just walk away, you know, steer clear. But to pray for them,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and any time we we can walk away from something instead of getting mad or holding grudges, because I've encountered kind of, you know up in Cherokee Street and over at Arnold Park, I've talked to a number of Muslims, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk about God or Jesus, you know, the way we do, you know, mm-hmm. they're real mad. But instead of getting mad or something like that, and say, oh. I like just to try to talk to them just briefly if I can and plant that little mustard seed of them. Mm-hmm. You know how I believe. And if they tell you, hey, I, I, I don't want to hear this stuff or whatever, okay, but at least you plant that little mustard seed in them and what they do with it is between them and
1: God. It seems like love is the answer to a lot of things. Like if there's anger, well, love is the an- You can't be angry at someone and be loving. And the Mm -hmm. way I kind of think of love is like considering what it's like to be them and caring about them, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and like lust, you can't look at a woman and lust for her and be loving her at the same time. And it does seem like, um, that's like, you know, the opposite of so many uh, things Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't be doing. I like what you said about um, asking for for forgiveness quick because we're not perfect so we fall into something that's the opposite Mm -hmm. of love Um, not just being content and going along with that but trying to rectify it you know soon so that seems good.
2: I know like at our church and being a big church um, we've helped a number of homeless people come in there you know Mm -hmm. maybe need a place to stay or something like Pastor Kenny told us he said We'll try to help people, you know, for a day or a week. You know, give them a, the hotel over there on on Jeffco there, mm-hmm. and, they, and he says, but he said, folks, he said, you know, he said, there's a time, the Bible said, do you have to turn loose and walk away also, because there's people who want more and everything and ask them, but you know, if they're willing to make it on their own and everything, they seem like maybe they have a different mindset. Uh-huh. And Kenny says, "Folks, he said, we help people to a certain extent, and then we have to cut them off.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You know, and, and uh, isn't that the truth? I mean, uh-huh. it just tears my heart to see anybody like these homeless people downtown sleeping outside and all this stuff. And we're helping them and stuff. You know, get to pray for them. But um, as long as they're not trying to kill us or harm us, you know,
0: uh-huh.
2: we'll still try to to show some form of love. You know them." Mm-hmm. Give them food or a little help right. as long as we can. Right, And that, and that doesn't mean that they're going to change, but we have to try. And like Kenny said, there's a time we have to turn loose, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way um, a pastor in New York, Timothy Keller, puts it, um, we give mercy until it's no longer merciful. Because for some people, you know, like um, if you see a need, you know, you don't ask too many questions. If you can help, you help. But to continue doing that, at some point, it might not be doing them good to continue on. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like you said, you have to cut loose. Yeah. See,
2: Kenny, Kenny shared that with us that one Sunday morning about that. What you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, Roger, it's been good to talk with you, and I really appreciate it, so thank you for your time. God bless you, Well
2: Maybe when this all gets over with, maybe we can have lunch or something together. You know? Okay. Okay?
1: All right. God bless you. Thank you. You know,
2: well, people... Say.
1: If you use a podcast app, like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.
2: You know, because you don't get no... Five minutes or ten minutes to talk to people and by sermon, mm-hmm. we hand all the stuff out. You know, for you them ladies would say, "Oh, say it. Can I ask you a question? Uh, you go to church anywhere, or have you ever accepted Jesus Christ? You know, just real, real direct. And you know, well, after watching them, it, it's helped me out immensely how to, to witness the witness to people, to talk to people. Just ain't simple. Like I say, over at Arnold Park, I met so many people. Talk to them, you know. And so many of them are Christians, go to church and everything. And a couple of them, some of them aren't, but most of them are. But, you know, at least if you just plant that little mustard seed of Jesus in a person's heart, and you got maybe just a minute or two minutes to talk to them, because the most we've ever had at one one time down there on Cherokee Street was about six different people, you know. Mm -hmm. We always had like two or three or five or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. every— month we went down there, but we only down there for an hour and a half. Yeah. And done that. And after I got to connect with so many other these churches and that I just couldn't say enough nice things about the Catholic and the Lutheran Methodist and so many other churches that I've got connected with that are doing nice things to help the homeless, you know. And that's between them and God, you know, who's Right.
1: Um, there's some um guys at McDonald's on Richardson Road that I meet with on um, Sunday mornings before church. So I get there around 6.30 or so. And um, I first met them on accident. I got there. um, I wanted to meet with someone for a cup of coffee, but I didn't make any plans. I didn't have any... So I I just want to get together with someone, but there was... wasn't anyone to get together with at that time. So I thought, I'm just going to go to McDonald's. I'm just going to write in my journal and read the Bible and just have a cup of coffee. And, uh, I'm sitting there and these two guys sit down table next to me. And then I wait, look after a while, some more guys come in and now people are sitting at my table and pretty soon people are all around me (laughs) and, (laughs) and they meet there every day, you know, and it's like, I was kind of in their hangout spot. So I just continued to go and meet with them. And, um, one guy goes to First Baptist. The other guys are, um, most of them are like not churchgoers, you know. But the guy who goes to First Baptist, his name is Curtis. Clubs. Yeah. Oh, I know him real well. Yeah. yeah. And he meets there. And uh, Yeah, he,
2: he goes down to Chick-fil-A now all the time. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. I know Curtis real, real well. Mm-hmm.
1: See, maybe you see one. And, oh,
2: I know the group of guys you're talking about.
1: Uh, do you know like Al? Hmm? Do you know Al? He calls himself Big Al? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I talk with him. Uh, so he knows you then, huh? Oh, well, Curtis? Oh, uh, uh, Al. Now are you talking
2: about Al Rich? Or big Al? Or?
1: Yeah, big Al. I don't know his name. Nice and
2: his wife moved, you know. Okay.
1: Okay, I'm talking about a guy who lives in Olimay Ol Ferry. He's got the silhouettes in front of his yard, he said.
2: Oh, uh, I think I know who you mean, yeah. Okay. Anyway. There used to be a, a, a coach goes over to Jerry. Okay. And, and uh, there's an, I, I've had coffee with them guys uh, two or three times up there, you know, over okay. the years. But I haven't in the last couple of years. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. See, and, you know, just just real quick, you, you go to so many of these ca- cafeterias, you know, it's amazing how many people show up, you know, in groups. Yeah. Like Chick-fil-A there. Right. There's about 15, 20 would show up there every morning. and. There's about four or five of us from Warno Badgers and all from different churches. And we sat there for a good many years, you know, until all this happened, laughing and talking with one another and yeah. Doing things together and that. But there's never been any serious arguments over religions and stuff. You know, we just leaving God and Jesus and let it go at that.
1: Yeah. I've been going to a Catholic prayer meeting that meets a couple of Mondays a month out at the her, Visions of Peace Hermitage in Pevely Are you familiar with that place?
2: Vision, um, hmm. what, what days you meet for prayer?
1: It's, um, the, um, they were meeting every Monday, but then it went to, um, the first and third, and if there is a fifth, fifth mm-hmm. Monday, and, uh, at seven o'clock, and, um, and now I don't think they're meeting at all because of all of this going right. on, you know. But um, anyway, it's a little different. Like I'm I'm used to um, more the way we do it in a prayer meeting. It's right. like, well, here's some prayer requests. Let's pray, you know, you pray, mm-hmm. I'll pray, whatever. And it's different. It's like um, they don't say prayer requests. They say intentions. Are there any intentions? You know? Well, see,
2: that's where we had to be very careful uh so many different churches that maybe talk a little differently about right. certain things, you know, baptism and right, all kinds of things like that. And uh, God has blessed me so much by opening my heart and mind up. He said, Raj, don't judge other people like that. I'm the judge. And like Kenny said, somebody believes in Jesus Christ and they have Jesus, they'll be saved. You know, because just real quick, well, I like baptism, you know, for mm-hmm. example people, you know, I've heard many people and I, in Catholic and Lutheran Church and different churches, now they'll sprinkle with water, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say, there's nothing in the Bible about sprinkling water, you know. And boy, about three years ago, now this is hitting me, just dropped me to my knees, you know. I said, oh, my Lord. If you go home you take your Bible, i you got one. Read Ezek- Ezekiel 36, and what God tells the people, He says, now look, He says, telling, you're talking to the nation of Israel, He said, I am, I am going to sprinkle you with water and wash you clean and I'm going to put a new heart and spirit in you. Mm-hmm. And I said, now some people want to sprinkle with water or I'll baptize, them, you know, mm-hmm. that's fine. And, and I said, just think about you. When pastors get up, like we have baptism, uh, well, Baptism Sunday once a year, you can get baptized anytime during the year mm-hmm. but you know Kenny you get up and say baptism doesn't save you you know and I that that's right baptism does you know but I said if somebody wants to get sprinkled with water or whatever that's none of my business if they have accepted Jesus Christ they're going to be in heaven anyway
0: because
2: mm-hmm. down in Missouri Baptist Nursing home I get on Homer Becker and they won't let anybody in there now until May his wife's down there mm. um we know about five or six different people, some of them went to our church, you know, old people. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about this one old lady. She's a Christian, never been baptized. And we're talking to her about baptism. She said, Oh, I want to be baptized. So she takes a cup of water, a little cup of water, pours it on her head. And, you know, <laughs> now who am I to judge anybody?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, if she has accepted Jesus Christ, I need to mind my own business, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I believe in God and believe in Jesus. And so I, I, I've never been baptized, but I want to. And That's none of my business. That's between God and them, how they, they do things. Do
1: you have any thoughts about atheists? Like, I, I talk, I have some, there's a guy named George, and I met with him just last um, Friday. We met at the park, and that was first time meeting in person. We met online, and he's an atheist. He grew up Catholic, and then he kind of grew disillusioned with the faith and you know and uh, as a young person well you know 20s or so and mm-hmm. and then him and his wife just kind of just found Christianity implausible just kind of think of it more as like uh something to give comfort to people and stuff like mm-hmm. that so we talked for a long time but um anyway what are you, you have do you run into atheists and like what kind of things how do you talk with uh, them
2: well, just like these Muslims, you know, as far as if they don't believe, you know, and they, um, we don't believe in God, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I've tried to share with them just, temp- just, you know, maybe not even a minute if they'll sit and listen, because most of them would just walk away, like in the city. I've encountered a number of Muslims up there, mm-hmm. and over at Arnold Park. I've talked to a number of people that are Muslims, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I just try to mention the name of Jesus real quick, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Let it go at that. Because I was talking to some, a young lady last week. I was walking around the lake. She was coming down the direction. Where, and I was. Just, I just stopped her and just talked to her just briefly. And um, she goes to church out in uh, uh, DeSoto, I think it is, she said. Mm-hmm. She and her and her husband just moved up here in Arnold a couple of weeks ago. And then we were talking just a real nice thing about the Lord. you know. And she said, you know, she said, my husband is an atheist, that he does not believe in God, and he keeps trying to tell our two kids that there is no God. And she said, "We've been going. To, I've been taking them to church all the time on Sundays. You know that." And I said, "Mm-hmm." And there's there so many people out there like that, and, and like it's been said by a number of pastors, just because we go to church, maybe. It, from what they said, now, I, I have no idea how man knows any of this stuff, only God does. Mm-hmm. But they said maybe 66% of the people in the United States are not Christians, you know, today. Mm-hmm. Well, that just blows my mind, you know. You know oh, man, But it's amazing how many people I've talked to, you know, <clears throat> that don't believe in God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So I don't know where we're at and all this stuff, but only God does. We just got to keep our faith and hope on God and yeah. just keep praying, huh? Well listen, I'm going to kind of